handle the truth. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Thursday night, get right. Demetrius Knuckleseal, my co-host coming out of Detroit. And of course, I'm Thomas Freeme. And we are back, man. We're back. We're rolling. We're kicking it. And uh, man, we got a hell of a discussion to talk about tonight. But before we get into that, let me um, give shout outs to, you know, everybody that's out there just trying trying to survive, struggling to survive every day out there doing what we can to make sure that our bills are paid. Um, I just want everybody to, to try to de-stress as much as you can. Try to recognize your triggers because right now the country's, the country's again at, at an uproar. And the discussion that we're going to have tonight is, is the hot topic, man. And, 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 uh, you know, tonight's episode is just going to be about everybody just remaining calm and, and keeping emotions in check. Um, as always, please visit www.cominghomecoalition.com. Visit Project Start Fresh. Visit the raffle that we have going there. And please sign up for the raffle to win you some Tampa Bay Rays tickets here in the Tampa Bay area. And I will pass it on over to my co-host, Mr. Demetrius, so he can say Hello. How y'all doing? Hello, it's uh, <clears throat> it's a beautiful Thursday evening. Uh, first, I thought I was under the weather, but uh, even when you're under the weather, if you could rise up, you're still blessed. So I still feel blessed because as long as I can breathe, I got another chance to live, another chance to help somebody. So, as he said, it's been it's been a long week for me personally, coming back from Atlanta, and uh, and having a rally yesterday at down in downtown Detroit on the porch of the courthouse juvenile life for annual rally and uh i think that you know the topic that we about to discuss tonight is a topic that it has been heard numerous times over it's like a recording we just press a record and or press replay and we keep hearing the same thing but we about to delve into it a little bit differently because it's a whole different landscape that is taking place in this particular incident so please tune in and get your ears ready get your eyes ready and get your thoughts ready because we about this about to go down Amen. Amen. So what what um what Mr. Demetrius is talking about is we are going to talk about Memphis, Tennessee and Mr. Tyree Nichols. Of course, that's the title of tonight's show is are the police why? Excuse me. Mr. Demetrius had me throw that in there because we know that the police are out of control. But why are the police out of control? So I'm going to go ahead and play us a couple clips, some news articles to get us up to date for those that do not know about what's going on. And pretty young lady right here. Unreleased body cam footage from Memphis, Tennessee, reportedly shows appalling footage of police beating a man during a traffic stop. It happened on January 7th when Tyree Nichols was pulled over and then allegedly tried to run from police. Viewers of the body cam footage say he was beaten by officers for three minutes. Nichols' family attorney saw the footage today. He was defenseless the entire time. He was 
a human pinata for those police officers. Nichols died in the hospital. Days later, all five officers involved in the incident, who are also African-American, have been fired from the Memphis Police Department. The arrest that left Tyree Nichols dead after I the U.S. Attorney's Office says now Memphis the police did use force during the video. arrest earlier Antica this Hancock month. Good evening and thank you for joining us. I'm Greg Hurst. Hi, I'm Stephanie Skurlock. WREG's Jordan James spoke with a woman claiming to have seen video of that encounter. He is live tonight with what she has to say. Jordan. Hey, Stephanie and Greg, for several days we have been asking the question what happened during the arrest of Tyree Nichols and for the first time we have a better idea wow. after speaking with a neighbor. Yeah. Nothing has ever happened like that before here. On January 7th, everything neighbors have come to expect living in the neighborhood around Ross and Rains Road in Hickory Hill changed. The whole scene was a little disturbing. You know, just all these officers out here, lights out here, and they were out here for hours. A scene marking the end of a pursuit initiated by Memphis police who claims Tyree Nichols was driving recklessly. As officers went to detain him, they say two confrontations broke out, leaving the 29-year-old severe injured. I just saw him lying still. Lifeless, I really couldn't tell, but he was not moving. WREG spoke with a woman who prefers not to be identified. She claims she saw video of the alleged attack taken by a concerned neighbor. Based on what she said, the officers weren't able to catch him, and then once they did catch him, they ensued with um, beating him. Three days later, Nichols died, sparking investigations by the FBI, TBI, and the Department of Justice. No justice! Nichols' death is sparking calls for the video of the arrest to be released to the public, which the city of Memphis has vowed to do so. The neighbor we talked to believes there will be outrage. When they see things like that, it gives them an uproar. I don't think it's going to be perceived very well. And officials have not gave a definitive date as to when that video will be released, but they did say it'll happen after the family views it. Reporting here live tonight downtown, Jordan James, WREG, News Channel 3. All right, and waiting for the official review as well. Jordan, thanks. So, my co-host needs a minute to, to catch up as he has to watch it live with you guys. Bad stuff. Bad Let me stuff. tell you the funny, the, the, the most interesting thing about this is that I seen this, but I thought this was something that already happened. That they was just talking about some officers being charged. I thought this had already happened. I didn't know that this was something new. <laughs> and that's how warped our mindset is when it comes to uh, police killings. That I just ain't here. I didn't hear that it was five black officers. I just heard it was five officers. But I thought this had already happened. So when I had seen it flash across my uh, Google, I thought it was a situation that they was updating us on that five officers about to be charged with X, Y, and Z. But that is exactly how warped our mindset is when it comes to how much they warped our mindset and whooped our mindset into accepting these fatal killings of men on the streets that you actually think you didn't saw this before already, but it's something new. <laughs> well, you, you being a man of, of the streets, how, how is 
how receptive when these when these body cam footage is is released what's going to happen d well from the police perspective you know the off the the, the officers involved are always going to say they feared for their life i don't care if it was a a little person and i don't mean no offense when i say this but a little person that can't even lift his arms up and they see that he has nubs they're going to still say that they felt threatened as long as he has black or brown skin that's just that's just what they're going to say so that's what we expect for them to say but what do we say what do we say as the people viewing this as the potential next victims of the police what do we say about it we say that we don't advocate or promote that citizens arm themselves against law enforcement. We don't advocate or promote that, but we do advocate and promote that we must defend ourselves by any means necessary. So if you are a threat to me, I don't care how you feel about me being a threat to you. If you are a threat to me and I feel endangered that my life is about to be taken, I have every right under the United States Constitution to defend myself. So the police cannot be mad when organizations come out and say defund the police. Why do we say defund the police? Because they're receiving so much funding for training, but it's obvious that they're not being trained. So why keep funneling all this money to law enforcement if they're not being trained? Because this type of stuff should not, I literally thought this had already happened. That's how crazy this is. But so let me ask you this though, Demetrius, is why why did Nichols run? He was pulled over. He was pulled over for reckless driving, and he got out and he ran. Why? Why did he run? Why didn't he just obey the police? And he would probably be alive right now. Because, for example, today I was driving. So for those listeners who know Detroit or familiar with just knowing the streets. I was driving up grass. I was headed toward the freeway. The police got behind me. So I switched lanes. The police switched lanes. I switched another lane. The police switched lanes. I'm trying to get around this car and switch lanes again back over here. The police switched lanes back over here. Now, this is Roseville police. I go all the way around the U-turn and go down 696, which, which is the freeway, and I hop on the freeway. I'm switching lanes to get to the left lane so I get on the freeway. The police switched every lane with me, right? Went down on the freeway with me, right? Now, got behind me on the freeway, right? I punched it because I can go 65 miles an hour. I punched it. I turned on my phone because I'm waiting on them. Come on. I got something for you. I'm waiting on you. Now, why I wasn't running from them. I was mindful of them. And it was one white police officer because at some point he pulled right beside me too. And then when I sped up, I switched lanes in front of him because now he was trying to ride beside me. So why would Tyree run? The same reason why we all run because we don't know if death is imminent. All we do, all we know is that from the his historical perspective of the police, anytime they pulling over a black or brown person or a minority 
And when I say minority, I'm talking about anybody from an impoverished neighborhood. I don't care if you white, Mexican, Puerto Rican, or whoever you are. Anytime they're pulling over us, they come with a certain aggression that you could be as nice as possible, officer. I, I, I know I made a mistake and didn't, I didn't stop at the stop sign. That means nothing to an officer who's trying to escalate something. And that's what they do every single time. This is why they're taught, they're trained to get out, put your hands down right now. And then the other one say, get on your stomach. And the other one say, stand up straight. The other one say, get, get on the ground. The other one say, stand up. Which one is it? I'm trying to bad batter what y'all saying. So before we go through that, we already scared. Sometimes we got a little weed on us. Sometimes we got a little crack on us. Sometimes we might even have a gun on us, not because we some criminal, but because we use it for our protection, just carry it with us. You know, it. so when the police get behind us and pull us over, all of these thoughts run across our mind. You know, this is like the slave, like the slave when the, when the master say, tell, tell boy to get over here. They know the tone of that voice, what that mean. That mean you about to get whooped on. So when we see the police, that almost mean like we about to get whooped on. What what I'm saying is that it's 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 a misdemeanor, right? Reckless driving in Memphis is a misdemeanor, and it can carry up to six months in jail, as well as a potential fine up to five hundred dollars court cost, as well as the assessment of six points against the person's driving. And as I was saying, we now know that America is going to be asking, why was the man running? Why was he running? You, you defined that, you laid that out there, and as I was saying, what, what the crowd didn't hear is there has been a lot of animosity in Memphis, Tennessee going about reckless driving. As I'm looking back, going back to 2019, a lot of reckless driving coming out of Memphis. So to play devil's advocate, you have a city who is is going to their legislators crying about out about drag racing up as they should as they should because our streets aren't made for drag racing you know so you have a lot of pressure on the police to do something about these drag racers going up and down the street we won't know until the body cam footage comes out of exactly what david was doing but that's the million dollar question as to why he was running. And in no way am I trying to justify what these police did in the murder of Tyree, because that was that was flat out murder going into what you were saying about the training of our police. Why are police out of control? Is it is it that? Let me let me throw this out there to you, partner. Is it that because? We're getting into age now where we see cops on TikTok all day long, YouTube all day long. And I and I watch these and I see the comments coming from the crowd about do what you got to do. You know what I mean? They're criminals. We don't care that they broke the law a little bit. Sometimes you got to break the law in order to catch criminals. These are a lot of the comments that cops are getting on TikTok. So this is a mainstream. These and these cops have millions of followers. Again, for me, it's disgusting because they're exploiting their uniform to get these millions of dollars, these millions of followers. They're 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 who knows how much money they're making off TikTok and these social media streams.
by using their uniform, exploiting taxpayers' money. So I have an issue with that right out of the gate because they're breaking the law. That is, that is against the law. And furthermore, they have direct access to crazy people that could be telling these people while they're live on duty to be doing things. You know, that's part of a conversation that we was just having the other day when the subject came up about how, how a lot of people in society, you know, they cringe when we say defund the police. No, we're not saying that we're not saying that uh, take all the money away and just that's that. No, we're saying that if they're not doing their job, then why are they constantly getting raises? If at, the more raises they get, the more they murder us. Do that make sense? The more, because keep this in mind, before they was getting these type of raises and getting all this mo uh, money a year, it wasn't the murder, the, the cop, the cop prisoner or cop civilian murder rate wasn't as high. It began to spike as obviously they began put, they, as in the government began putting more drugs in the neighborhoods. Uh, the government began to uh, cause homeless to be a pandemic. Uh, more of a pandemic, it, it it spiked because they uh, took jobs away from uh, returning citizens or ex-felons. They they took those opportunities away. So now we left to defend ourselves in the streets, do something under the table, which may not be real seriously illegal, but it's still under the table. So when they run up in this club and we not we don't have a license to run it, you know, we get a ticket or whatever. So we run it because we got a gun on us. We doing security. We doing. Uh, uh, gambling or something but it's so many factors that go into play when you when they talk about defund the police and and the out that that's the war cry defund the police mm. and people people in the public defend the police not realizing that we're not saying that all police bad we're not saying that we're saying that it's a culture and the law enforcement department remember you, me and you was talking about one day about i think that was me and you we was talking about the snitch culture right mm -hmm. they they talk about as long as there's no snitch culture in our neighborhoods people are going to keep getting killed and crimes are going to keep remaining unsolved well they got the same no snitch culture in blue the identical snitch culture exists in the police department don't snitch on your on your uh co-worker if i don't care what he do don't snitch on him how many times have we heard uh, a shooting, fatal or otherwise, happened, and a fellow police officer said, "Yes, uh, my 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 uh my police officer friend uh constituent, yes, he went for his gun. He shouldn't have did it. He was talking about it in the car that he was gonna knock this guy head off before we even pulled up. We never heard that yet because they have a no snitch culture. So how about we deal with the no snitch culture in the police department, and we can start with." not giving them so much funds that's called defunding that's called reducing their funds so now they can focus on training and not conspiring well that's i mean that's i mean that's a great point because look at look at the the biasness in our judicial system when it comes to when it comes to uh prosecuting police versus prosecuting american citizens right the police aren't expected to to uh, uh, snitch on their companions because they know it'll uncover the whole police force. 
right? I can't if, again, I'm extorted to the point that if I don't snitch, I'm looking at life. If I do snitch, I may do two years in prison. But when an officer, I mean, let's let's kind let's see about these five officers. Let's see what happens from there. Are they going to be pressured to be overturned? Because if you have five officers that did this, I highly doubt that they were five psychopath, sadistic officers that just happened to come together at the right time on that day just to beat this one man. This is training. Like you said from the beginning, this is training. This is five officers that are trained to do exactly what they did, to protect one another, to subdue the prisoner to the extent that they just get him out of there. They were pissed off that he ran. It was a public display, again, kind of like going back to Rodney King, a public display as to you will not, you will not buck the police. When we tell you to do something, you're going to do it. Almost like a public hanging of sorts. Yeah. And and see, so when you talk about racism in America, you know, you don't have to have white skin to be racist toward black skin. You don't have to. You can have that same skin that all five of them got. It's called reverse racism. You can have that same skin because you have a hatred. You have a, you know that if you, if you act in accordance with how the master, how the master will accept you, that he's gonna always protect you. So if you happen to hang a person that looked like you, so be it. He shouldn't have did what he did. And we're gonna support you because that's what we do. We hang them. And we send them up, we send them to prison for the rest of their life for crimes they didn't do. We send them to prison with long indeterminate sentences for crimes they didn't do. We, we sentence them to long indeterminate sentences and life sentences because we say that if you kill anybody, you're guilty of first degree murder, period. I don't care how much you were scared. But yet, let me let me uh, let me pose this question. I thought about this years ago. If the police can say that they feared for their life, right, because a guy was running away from them or a guy had a knife running towards them either way. And there's five police and he had a knife running towards him, probably had his underwear on and no shoes or something in the streets, surrounded by five police. Now, the police can say that they fear for their life when they killed him, shot him 31 times. Right now, how could they then the prosecutor's office then turn around and say, I didn't fear for my life when a guy did the exact same thing to me and I killed him. I got hit with first degree murder. Well, I got hit with long indeterminate sentence when I. We really feel for our life because we know that the police ain't around. So this guy about to see me tomorrow. Well, he might see me walk into my house. Might see me walk out the house with my daughter and run up on me and shoot me. So we really fear for our life. And yet, if we take a life in defense of our own, they don't call it self-defense. They call it murder. Because you knew that you had a problem with him yesterday. And you plotted and schemed. And when you seen him two days later, you shot and killed him. Well, the culture in the police department been boiling for years. That been boiling for years. They have always been planning to be as aggressive as possible when it comes to minorities. That's how they train, to be as aggressive as possible. Ain't no shooting in the legs no more. Ain't no, ain't no like the girl, like the girl, in, I think that was Houston, that said she thought she reached for her taser. 
when it's on the opposite side of her waist and she killed the guy. But they allowed that because she said she feared for her life. So we need to start posing real questions to these politicians because the politicians are who are going to control how the police policies are created and followed and how much money is given to police department. We got to get on these politicians. If you support the police, we about to hold you accountable for supporting the police when the police keep doing things that's unbecoming of law enforcement. Yeah. Yeah. No question on that. I mean, it, and, and these these politicians are the first one up there hollering about accountability, right? Accountability. We need to hold accountability. Well, here it is in your face, because, again, this is training. But let me ask you this, speaking on on the on the issue of race. How how does how do you have black individuals that grow up understanding and knowing the history and still turn around and work for the government, get a government job, and and oppress the poor community the way that they do. Wow. Can you please repeat that? I just want everybody to hear exactly what you just said, man. <laughs> well, I'm curious. How how does how does that happen? You know, how how do you like we 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 know them as bootlickers or or things of that nature. And I'm not I'm not going there or accusing anybody that works as, for the government as a bootlicker or anything of that nature. But what I'm saying is that how do you have individuals that grow up in the poor community, darker skin, black individuals that turn around and then work for a government job that is oppressing the same community that they came out of? It's called reverse racism. It's called the Woolly Link Syndrome. It's called Stockholm Syndrome. It's called every syndrome that exists that makes you hate yourself, the community you came from, that makes you exploit the weaknesses in the community you came from, that makes you exploit the drug addiction. You know, because we know a lot of these cases are uh, these guys was messing with pills or something. We know this because they end up looking at a system and they always exploit it when it's to their advantage and say, well, he was hiked off cocaine and he was hiked off this. So you know, they exploit mental illness, man. It's I mean, this is terrible because they don't think uh, the government doesn't think they don't attribute mental illness to the, to our behavior. They don't do it. But yet we've been traumatized all our lives. Look where we grew up at. Look what we keep seeing happen. Now, police pull me over. I've got seen them kill so many people. And now I'm that guy now that's being pulled over. The thought that's racing through my mind is that, damn, they killed X, Y, and Z so many. Wow. What do I do? My first thought is flee. Because I got a better chance at living if I run than I have of sitting there and dying. I'd rather die running than die sitting on them and waiting on them to kill. Do you think... Do you think there there is an aspect of racism that is going in the training of the police, or do you think it is just an attack on the poor community, per se, and that these police are being trained to think that the poor community is the issue, all of the crime? What I'm seeing coming from people that I interact with on TikTok and, and out here while I'm Ubering and stuff is that people are so miseducated on 
why crime even exists, why homelessness exists. They don't yeah. get it. They, they, they cannot understand why this homeless person just cannot get up and go across the street and get a job at the place that has a, a, a now hiring sign over there. They can't, it doesn't connect in their brains. So yes. when we're sitting here and we're talking about the police and they're, they're seeing with their own eyes on the news, these individuals attacking the police, uh, lashing out. You have these First Amendment auditors that are going around, as they say, agitating the police. You know what I mean? And constantly. And the police are just under such scrutiny and such stress that it's okay that, they, you know, they do this here or there. Is is yeah. it is this a racist entity or is this an attack on our poor community to control us? It's both, man. The system was built upon class and racism. That's what the system is built. This is indisputable evidence, documents. It's built upon class. If you're a part of this class, in other words, Thomas, you're a white guy, but you grew up in the hood. So now when me and you ride together, and I commit a crime or we commit a crime together, you about to get what I get for this very reason. Because they say you shouldn't have been hanging with them anyway. Mm -hmm. And they said that in my courtroom. Because guess what? You white. You already got privilege. You, you don't remember that? That's how they're going to play you, right? So it is built upon racism and class. And that racism and class comes out through the Willie Lynch syndrome of black officers when they feel that they have. I'm going to give you a perfect example. Before I even go further, when I was at, I was in a hole. I was doing nine years in the hole, or what some uh, states call a shoe. I was doing nine years in the hole at the time, and there was this uh, lieutenant. His name, he, he always worked the ad seg the hole. His name, Lieutenant Ray William Ray. And by all means, I would say Willie Ray was a reasonable guy. He was a reasonable guy, unless you file with him. But other than that, even if you file with him, he's still gonna try to be reasonable, right? This is what. I used to be a real problem, right? So William Ray, Lieutenant Ray would come to my door with a black can of mace. We call it gas. Black can of mace or gas. And it would be the size, it would be about eight inches high container, about the size of a billy, no, bigger than a billy club. Y'all can imagine what I'm talking about. Uh, an aerosol can, put it that way. It's that big, black can. This is what he told me. This is what I observed for nine years straight. This is the chemical agent or gas that they spray. It's in a black can. It's the strongest gas because they have grades. The white can is very, very low. Then they have a, like a, a grayish black. Then they have the black can, which is real strong, right? For the black guys, they use the black can because it's the strongest. Because this is what he told me. He told me this. He said, because they, the system, has trained us to believe that blacks are more aggressive. Therefore, we need a more aggressive spray to spray upon them to, to uh, subdue them. Whereas a white person, you don't need that because they're not aggressive. They're very passive. So the white guys get the can that you can literally, I have taken some of this gas, literally. And they sprayed it in my face. Another officer sprayed it in my face one day while I was eating an apple. And it's so, it's so weak that this is what happened. I was eating my apple and he sprayed me right in the face. I said, man, is you trying to make me mad, man? Mm -hmm. That's how weak the white can is. 
But that black can, you get hit in the face with that, you're going to be burning for three, four weeks straight, literally. So hmm. just imagine that, that this is the uh, uh, correction system who told them the black can is for the black people, the white can is for the white people, then you might have to hit the whites with that gray, that grayish black can a little bit because he acting black. See what I'm saying? So now you take the what's going on in the streets and they are being trained to think that blacks are aggressive. They dehumanize their black officers right off the bat. The black officers, for example, when I was up at Berrigan, that's one of the furthest prisons up north in Michigan. That was a, a maximum security. They used to have this black officer. He used to come in with black eyes because mm. he lived up where all whites was. And he would come tell the story that it's some of his own, own co-worker officers that beat him up in the bar because he was black. But he was a correction officer like them. Mm. But you shouldn't be up here. And that's what they keep allowing to get themselves to get away with. There's no... They do this with impunity because no one is going to really hold them responsible. So it's easy to do something, uh, commit a crime against someone if you know that the likelihood of you being charged is very slim. And then if you are charged, the prosecutor is really just appeasing the people to keep the riot, to quell the riot, because they're going to say, well, just go through the charges, man, because, you know, you you good. They're not going to give you that much time. They're probably going to find you guilty nine times out of ten because you're one of us. So they go through the crucible of trial just to appease the people because we've been saying, charge them, charge them, charge them. So now they appease us by charging them. But all the time, the table has already been set, not guilty verdicts. We're going to find him guilty, and we're going to give him seven months to ten years, uh, uh, three years home, home confinement. So the table already set, and these officers know this. So they call it, we call it taking one for the team. So when this happens, the officers feel like, ain't nobody going to hold me responsible. All of our fellow officers have done this throughout the years. They're not going to hold us responsible. We all right. We can be as aggressive as possible. That's it. Well, and, and it's like it's like you said earlier, you know, about me me growing up in the hood, and, and it's it's – that's the thing is it's the it's an image. It's an image that they're being trained to look for, right? And an attack in a sense where you know, like uh, let me ask you this, because I hear this a lot, right? I hear this going more than I hear anything else where I I, I hear people say the black community Right. There's all the crime is coming out of the black community, um, the black community, the black community. What what's the difference between the black community and the poor community? Right. Because to me, this is what I'm telling you, you mean, the poor community. Well, no, you do. You have you have so you have, you know, they'll try to justify you have like, uh, you know, the, the black community where it's just all black people. OK, what does that mean? Can you help me with this? Uh, it's it's simple, man. Uh, we, we hear this poor, on the news. Yeah, but see, poor black community and poor is equivalent to one another, because when you think of black people, government from the government's eyes, this is the poor people. This is the people who we must always exploit and keep down. The poor people. The poor people are the black people. The black people are the poor people. So now we're going back to racism and class. They're not on our level. 
This is who we can step on and get away with stepping on. This is who we can beat down and beat up and train our little sons on how to handle these people. And I, I use that very uh, strictly, these people. We can train our sons on how to handle these people if they should ever come in contact with them because they're not, they're three-fifths of a human being according to the United States Constitution. So that means that you're not even a whole human being. So therefore, why would I give you whole rights? Why would I treat you like a whole person? Why would I respect you like a whole person? Why would I keep my hands off you when you are the punching bag and has been the punching bag for us and our target for us for over 400 years? Now we're about to just train your own people to do you the same way because you can take the handcuffs off a criminal, but you can't take the mindset off a criminal. He got to do that itself. So when, mm. so when them handcuffs and them guns was placed on the waist of those officers and they was trained to kill, murder, and commit mayhem against minorities, you know, they was trained to do this. With It came with the handcuffs, the gun, the billy club, the mace. That training came with that. So even when they take they, they, uh, a gear off and they sit in the courtroom, the training is still there. That's why they never tell on each other. They never tell on each other. Every now and then, you may have an officer. I mean, listen, how, how despicable is it that me, you, and three other officers could do this to this person? And we know, me and you know, that officer so-and-so didn't have to keep on beating him in the head with the gun and then shot him. We know this. Hmm. And we about to lose our family. They want the public to think they're about to lose their family if they don't come clean. But we willing to keep our mouth shut because we know that we ain't about to lose our family. They just telling the public that, that he about to, he, he about to be sentenced to 20 or 30 years. They know this. That's why it's so easy. The mindset has been implanted years ago. Uh, uh, Michelle Alexander came out with a book called The New Jim Crow. The New Jim Crow. This is the New Jim Crow right here. It's the. It's not. It's not a, a Caucasian face that's behind a gun all the time. Now it's not the Caucasian face behind a billy club. It's not the Caucasian face that's uh, behind the fist on the heads and the feet on the neck. It's not. The New Jim Crow is anybody against the minority. You get away with it. That's the easiest target to target is the minority. How much funding do three thirds? I mean, a third of the entire state budget. A third of the okay. entire state budget. Between 1977 and 2019, police budgets grew from 44 billion to 123 billion dollars. Come on, man. See what I'm saying? On average. The United States spends $340 per person per year for public policing for a total of $193 billion in spending. And that's 2017. Yeah. Let me let me give you an example. One day I was in I was in uh I tell a lot of stories about administrative segregation or the shoe. I was in there and uh there was a prisoner who who, who uh he was going through something or no, no, he was beating on the door. And, and so it, it was so happened that the nurse was running over there because they say he, uh, the, the inmate, somebody is seizing up there. Somebody is seizing up there. Right. 
So it's this big old healthy uh, nurse. She real big. Her name Nurse Lorraine McClure. She, uh, I, I'm looking out the window. I see her taking her sweet time, taking her sweet time. They say somebody ceasing because she assumes it's an inmate, right? She taking her sweet time. She a big lady anyway. And I watched this with my own eyes, man. She came in there. The inmate who was seasoned, uh, the officer, the couple officers was on him. And what ended up happening is Nurse Lorraine, she just walked away because she seen officers restraining this inmate, right? Had had they elbow in his neck. I'm looking at this too. I'm going to my door and I'm going to here looking to see if a nurse going to come over here because the inmate sees him. She leave out the door, right? They said emergency in unit one, emergency in unit one. She didn't even come back for a minute because she just assumed the police was doing what they do, beat us up, right? It was an officer who was having a heart attack and she felt so bad about it because she thought it was an inmate. But the officer had a heart attack and he died. But because she thought it was an inmate, she wasn't in a rush to get back over there to provide any treatment. That happened in 19, hmm. 19 maybe 1997 in Unit 1 at Ionia Maximum Correctional Facility. Nurse Lorraine McClure. I think the officer's name was uh, something Thomas or something like that. He was very good officer. He was known as one of the best down-to-earth officers, but he was just collateral damage in the Willie Link syndrome that she thought it was an inmate. It was an officer having going, going through a heart attack at the time, and she let him die because she didn't get there. And that's how they think of us. So, so, so their prisoner ended up getting shot. Now, how are you going to know that you just, just shot this person and you still jam his hands behind it? You done shot him multiple times already. He laying lifeless on the ground and you still grab his hands and twist them behind his back. Because guess what that do? Cause the blood to pump quicker out mm -hmm. his body. Because now you're restraining these parts of his body, so the, and you're pushing the blood to one area, which is his chest area or his head area, and it's gushing out faster, which is which means his chance of living is reduced just by your restraint. And this is what this is what real case law have shown, and real scientists have said in some of these cases. He wasn't dead. He had been shot multiple times, yes, but he wasn't dead. But they refused to say, in most cases, they refused to say this was a homicide. Why? Because he wasn't dead. It was the pressure that they put on his neck after he was shot 18 times or after he was shot 31 times. It was the pressure that they put on his neck or when they stepped on his back and was tying his hands behind his back and had his feet like he was being hog tied. Although they had just shot him 31 times and he was already laying lifeless on the ground. He was still breathing, though, according to the, the, the uh, camera that we see. But by the time they got him up off the ground, he was already dead. Come on, man. So they're not trying to save us whether they shoot us or not. They well, not. No, and we see it time and time again. And and here we got, we have uh, the fiscal year 2022 budget invest a total of $1.3 billion to support life enforcement agencies, including through programs that support community-oriented policing policies and practices, as well as training for law enforcement on racial profiling de-escalation and the duty to intervene this is a 379.8 million dollar increase over the fiscal year 2021 
$1.3 billion is what we spent on policing in 2022. And this is what we have in Memphis, Tennessee. And all over. It's it's all over. After all that money. (laughs) That's why we, that's why our war cries defund the police. I mean, that's why we have that war cry. We're not saying this in spite or out of spite. We're saying this based on the facts. We're saying this trying to save another life before they come in contact, before you be the next person that come in contact with the police behind you like they was behind me today. And I'm glad that you brought that back up because that is something, right? Listen, that's a tactic. Then people used to be, I swear to God, three inches off my off my bumper. And they would ride me through traffic on my bumper until I gave them a reason to pull me over. Yeah. You know what I mean? They would find reasons to pull you over. And and let me let me ask you this. I don't want to I don't want to lose this question. In in your 30 years, right? 30 years incarcerated? 28, same thing, 30 year. How many officers inside did you see attacked by inmates? (laughs) Wow. It was, now I have seen it. I have seen it. I attacked the officer. But it was four officers on me first. So I was defending myself. So, so is it necessarily considered attack because I defended myself against four officers? Thinking that this came on the heels of uh, Malice Green in Detroit, Rodney King in California. So I 92. rarely seen 92, yeah. Yeah, because this was 93 when it happened to me, 93, when they blacked my eyes, I'm talking about fractured all my ribs. My whole head was swole like this. They just beat my head to the floor, stumped on my head. All these all these officers was over 300 pounds. It was four. And you were incarcerated during Rodney King. Yes. Yeah, so, so. Put that, I mean, that that just puts in context. And and you got out in 14, 15? I, I got it out in 18. 18. My goodness, yep. man. So now, I'm sorry, go ahead. Have I seen the officers uh, attacked by inmates? Very rarely. Why? Because it just kind of didn't happen. It wasn't a fear. It just kind of didn't happen because... The average inmate, even the gang members, be kind of peaceful, right? Until the officer stick his chest up. And now the gang member like, man, F you, man. And then next thing you know, he said he threatened me and he put the guy in the hole. So it never really escalates to physical attack against the officer. It usually it usually is the officer, once they handcuff you because you said F you, and they take you to the hole, by the time they get you from point A to point B, you got a knot on your head. You probably got a black guy, your nuts, your nuts sore, all type of stuff. And I mean, this is literally. So, no, I, I rarely seen an inmate attack or officer. I seen it maybe out of out of my 28 years, I seen that, I would say about four times. How many times have I seen an officer or a group of officers attack an inmate? Over a hundred times. Because generally that's how we go. And and that's my point is that you and you were in the worst of the worst prisons, right? You were yes. in for for murder one, right? Yep. So so you were in some of the worst of worst prisons up there in in Detroit, Michigan, Michigan area, and you're saying out of the twenty eight years, 
that you were incarcerated. That's what I'm talking about. It's just where an inmate just flat out for no reason, just just went up and just went crazy on an officer, just attacked an officer because prison is just violent like that. And officers that are being happen. stabbed and killed and every day their life is on the line. That don't happen, man. That, I've never that, seen it. I've never seen that happen. Right. It's always something that the officer said, did, or is doing that provokes an inmate to respond in a way because the officer might, like in Michigan, this is what they do in Michigan. They might say, uh, y'all need to clear this doorway. Uh, we need to get through this doorway. And they know it's like 30, 40 people walking. They grab somebody. You ain't supposed to touch me, man. I, I yanked my arm loose. Mm -hmm. Now he say, you just assaulted me. Mm -hmm. So now I just assaulted you, man. You grabbed my arm. I didn't. But they called that assault on an officer after he grabbed me for no reason. So now, next thing you know, again, before I get to the hole, I done got lumps on my head. But they call it assault on an officer. Yet I got the lumps on my head. So it's just this type of stuff needs to be uh, addressed. And it, it, it can be addressed through defunding them. That's how you address because that's that's the only thing they understand. Defense. Well, and that's and that's where I'm getting at is is the fact that all of these stigmas about prison, all of the stigmas again going up there in Illinois, where you have the 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 chief of police up there hollering about because they got rid of the cash bail system in January first. I haven't heard of any mayhem going on up in Illinois about all of these murderers and rapists that were going to be released and and all of this stuff that they were fear mongering. It's the fear monger that they've put in the uneducated America that has no experience with prison, has no experience with crime, has no experience with the police. They've never had interactions with the police on, on, a, on a criminal side. If they have, it was always as a victim where the police are the nice guys and they're getting you coffee and they're sitting you down. They're, you know, they're, they're patting your leg and all of this stuff. But they've never been treated like a criminal. They have no experience of that dark side. So when we're sitting here talking about defund the police and the police are sitting here telling them like the mayhem is going to ensue. How? how <laughs> well, partner, it's, it's time to wrap it. I don't know. I don't. I think I think the American people. Right. And I'm only going from the limited of uh, subscribers that because I have a lot of interaction on, on TikTok. I generate a lot of conversation on my TikTok. And I think that a lot of people. Well, I, I you're right in some sense. A lot of people really don't care. A lot of people really don't care about our homeless issue or addiction issue. They don't even care to know about it. But a lot of people do care about their country. They just have not one iota of a clue as to why it's so dysfunctional. And of right. course, we're always blamed in the poor community. It's our fault. We won't stop committing crime. We won't stop doing drugs. <laughs> we won't stop. <laughs> we won't stop. But yet you but yet the government takes away job opportunities, take away housing, uh they set hurdles so high that people returning home from prison, or not even if you not return, even if you just out, you never even been to prison yet, but you from a minority community and you're just trying to do something constructive with your life. The hurdles for you to get over are so high 
that it becomes discouraging to some people. Some people fall victim to their own weakness and they make bad decisions. And now they're out in the street homeless. They're out in the street using drugs. They're out in the streets committing crime. They're out in the streets doing things that's unbecoming of humanity only because in their mind, and I'm telling you firsthand experience, they felt like they ain't had no other option. I didn't have no other choice. I had to go. I had to eat because I didn't want to die. So therefore, when I seen you with that stuff, and I seen that you didn't see me looking at you when you came out of the jury store with your jury on, or you came out of that store and you was putting that wad of money in your pocket, you didn't see me, I'm taking it. Because I'm hungry, man. I'm hungry. I have not eaten in a couple of days. And if I don't do something right now, I ain't gonna eat today either. I have not slept in a couple of days. I have slept on the street. Well, I may have been in my cousin's house, which is a dope house that I slept in. I'm trying to get me a hotel room. I'm trying to get me a shower or something. I don't have no money. But I see you coming out the store with that money. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you are responsible for the decision I make. Please don't mistake me for those who are listening. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we're being provoked. We're being provoked to be reminded that we are a product of our environment. And that as a product of our environment, we must act out ourselves as the product where criminal criminality exists. We must live along that trend. Ain't nothing wrong with it because you grew up in it. You ain't got no food. You might as well do what you got to do now. We've been psychologically bamboozled, psychologically intimidated, psychologically traumatized, psychologically beaten and broken by a system that was meant to do just that to us. And now some of us are the benefit, some of us are the victims and the beneficiaries of that abuse. And and with that. That is going to be a segue into our show next week because that's something that I got, I get a lot of on my TikTok as well is victimization. White people are tired of hearing black people's problems. It's all victimizing, you know, and and such. And and we're going to delve into that next week because that's a that's a that's an important issue as well. Where where does the victimizing start? Where does the factual start? You know what I mean? Yes. Um, man, great, great show, D. Thank you, Absolutely. and 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 thank God that you're 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 well. You're okay. I know you've been running, running amok, you know, and and you're going from hot to cold and cold to hot. And I'll be in California next week. My goodness, but I want to give a shout out, man. I was hanging out with some jits last night, man, and a and a and a, a friend of mine, Coach Chang, out here in the Tampa Bay, man. So I want to give a shout out to the Tampa Bay Jags out here. These jits out there doing their thing, and um, Coach Chang's got a great program. Um, getting getting the youth involved, getting them active. We were out there for a couple hours with them in the park, throwing the ball, running around. But um, and I just want to give a, a great shout out to a organization that I work for, Michigan Liberation who stood behind me, supported me for four and a half years since I've been out of prison. They have given me every access to all the tools necessary to organize things and sent me the trainings and all this free of charge, actually paid me to do this stuff. I, I, so I give honors and respect to Michigan Liberation. You can you can look us up on uh, any social media site. We have sites everywhere. Michigan Liberation, Good Heart Youth, The Great Minds Project, which is owned by me and my nephew. And then you have the Great Minds Project 5.0. I want to give honors to Safe and Just Michigan for the work that they do in the community. And last but not least is some I'm not naming, but I'm going to name this one, uh, Nation Outside, because they do so much tremendous work 
uh, uh, bringing up public awareness to criminal justice reform and the things that we're trying to pursue and the things that we're trying to accomplish. So I want to give honors to all of them. And I want to give last honors to everybody that tuned in. And for those who did not tune in, we just ask that you please share the link with them so they could uh, learn some and teach us some. Absolutely. Thursday night, get right. Hashtag TNGR. Guys, get it out there. Um, this this is what me and D's trying to do is, is build us a little brand here, you know, and, and, and get Thursday night, get right out there. Get it out there for the kids to hear these positive messages um, coming from, from both aspects. And uh, that's it. That's all we got. You guys stay stay safe, stay tuned, stay healthy, and stay positive. Please make an impact in your neighborhood. Get involved in your neighborhood, local sports, local community. Make sure a lot of my message that I'm getting out there is make sure you're putting money back into your community, your personal community. Stop stop spending your money on Amazon, things of that nature. Just try to try to support your community a little bit. And if we all each did that, got plugged in, things would be much different, man. But And if you have any questions, please contact one of us on whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok, because both of us are very active on those four platforms. So just contact us if you have any questions or if you want to discuss something. Just send, send send a topic of discussion and we could delve into it and we'll invite you to the show so you could talk talk about it as well. Amen. Absolutely. This is what this is about, bringing awareness and, and helping people through their issues. So, D, again, thank you, brother. Stay safe. When you going to California? Supposed to go on the 3rd. On the third, I'm going on the thirtieth down south to Miami to um, visit one of my clients down there. Listen, real quick, I think I may have busted something open, partner. So, yeah. real quick rundown: I found I got information on an individual who was used as a star witness. Right, I'll, I'll give more next next week, but used as a star witness to testify against a man and a murder one charge now get this this man was found he had a prior charge he was found incompetent at his pri at his trial was sentenced to chattahoochee here in florida which is a mental hospital right florida state hospital when he was admitted in the chattahoochee he was admitted schizophrenic and incompetent he was released eight months later diagnosed schizophrenic and incompetent and four months later this man is in front of the grand jury he's in front of the grand jury d testifying about a murder one and then three months after that three months or six months like they they took this dude to trial quick he's testifying at the trial as an incompetent schizophrenic man i don't think the jury knew that oh we're gonna talk about that yeah that's what they keep doing they keep doing that in Michigan, so that's a definitely a conversation for next week. Okay. Mm. Next week, y'all, thank you for tuning in. We love you. Stay blessed, and we are out. Peace.